Good evening, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. And yes, I do have a sore throat. But guess what? We're just going to plow right through it. <laughs> because um, I have something very important to talk about. <laughs> Jesse Duplantis. <laughs> wow, I really sound like a dude right now. <laughs> okay. If you guys don't know who Jesse Duplantis is, um, he's one of the people that I've been wanting to expose for a very long time. He's a preacher, so, um, <clears throat> so yeah, we're gonna get into his story because not only has he been, um, you know, scamming people out of money, his own congregation out of $54 million and some, um, from his own congregation, he's also one of the preachers that I used to listen to when I was a little girl when I was around like 13 years old. So, without further ado, let's expose this bro. Uh, I'm, I apologize if I sound disgusting, but listen, you don't have to listen to me. <laughs> um, I know I sound disgusting, but if you choose to listen to me, even when I sound like this, you are a true Rogue Radio listener, and I appreciate the heck out of you. <laughs> but anyway, um, like, share, and subscribe. Oh, wow. Like, share, and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Um, also, you know, links will be down in the description below. And I, you know, I just want to thank everybody who has followed I appreciate you and love you more than you actually will ever realize because I mean I could sit here and tell you how many times I've tried to be where I'm at on YouTube and I could create this whole like sob story of where I always wanted to be popular on in, on the internet I'm not seeking that anymore the fact that people are listening to my voice is incredibly humbling to me, and I will always thank my subscribers, my listeners, and the friends that I've made on my podcast, or in the podcast community, in the YouTube community, because y'all are freaking gold. Y'all are in my heart. You are. <laughs> um... Before I get into this whole episode, I need to shout out Too Strong, which is a YouTube channel, um, and you type in the number two and then strong, and uh, they are a couple um, of, I don't think they're pastors, I think they're just men that recognize the fakery in the ministry, so um, I love their YouTube channel, I love what they're about, I love how they speak. And they really know their stuff, and this is this is uh, the YouTube channel that uh, I got all the information uh, for this episode uh, from. I listened to them and took notes, and I also put in my own pizzazz, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to shout them out too because I have to support my podcast community, my YouTube community that I listen to that support me and that I support because um, without them, I wouldn't have information. I wouldn't have um, the information that I have to give. And also, I wouldn't have the support that I have either. So thank you. Thank you so much. But anyway, links in the description on how to reach me will be down in the description below. And let us go. Let's get into it. Because I'm about to lay waste to this man. This white-haired, turkey-neck, pink-panty-wearing pasta. Let's go. Wednesday night at 8 p.m. This week, on YouTube, Voice of the Fat Mantis and I will be talking about conspiracy theories on his channel, Voice of the Fat Mantis, on YouTube. So go ahead, look him up. So you guys can see how crazy we're going to get. Because it's going to be a lit night. It's going to be a fun night tomorrow. So, yes, just be there, please. 
because, you know, it's going to be awesome. You're going to miss it. Okay. For those of you who do not know who Jesse Duplantis is, you're lucky because, good God, this man is just crazy. Anyway, um, Jesse Duplantis is a prosperity gospel preacher based out of New Orleans, Louisiana. His charismatic nature and comedic timing is what makes him unique in the charismatic movement and is what actually sells his fake authenticity. Um, and a lot of people follow it. A lot of people have invested so much money, including my family, who used to buy his VHSs had a stack of them from the floor to the, the the top of the entertainment center. I remember that. And um, I was introduced to Jesse Duplantis, like his sermons. I wasn't, I didn't actually meet him, but um, it, he was introduced into the household when I was around like 12, 13. And I really liked him because at the time, all the preachers that I listened to, all of the because I was a church girl. I grew up in the church. I was practically raised in a church since I was eight years old. So, um, or since I was born, actually. I was saved when I was eight. But um, I was indoctrinated, you know, ever since I was born. So um, when I heard Jesse Duplantis, he had like a very lively approach to the Bible. So it was very unique to hear. And I remember that. And because um, a lot of the time, let's just get one thing straight, okay? Sometimes preaching is boring, okay? And somehow, he made it fun. He made it fun for me to listen. And um, I think it's because he was able to make his congregation laugh. And the thing is, is that when you have a charismatic pastor like Jesse Duplantis who gets, who wins over his congregation by making them laugh, he's able to knit lies in his sermon to make you believe because you're too busy laughing. You're too busy laughing. You're too busy um, having too much fun listening to him to where you're not actually listening. You just think he's hilarious. So... A lot of this is going to be what he says from certain videos that Too Strong has um, pulled up um, maybe later on. Once this is on YouTube, I'll be able to like put down the links of each video that they have uh, used in their video. That way you guys can look for yourself and you know see what they're talking about. Uh, excuse me, hang on. But in one of his sermons, he does start talking about how creation of the earth was formed and how Jesus was, or Jesus, God was able to create out of the ground the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air and the creatures of the sea and all that stuff. And then Jesus, or God, made man. You know what? There, there's a whole um, idea behind that because... Me and Terrence, me and my husband, believe that um, God was actually talking with Jesus about how to create the earth because he says, let us make man in our image. Let's, let us, you know, create the beasts of the, you know. It's never let me, it's us, let us. And I believe that God was already talking to his son. So, but that is our, you know, belief, you know, you don't have to believe that it's fine. Um, but it, it is something to think about. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so in, he's talking about this whole thing. He's talking about how, <clears throat> um, God made the heavens and the earth and he made the creatures of the sea and the field and the air. And then he made Adam. So. He said, God created all kinds of animals, but he didn't know what they was. So, he's a southern man, so he's going to talk 
like a southern man. So, um, so I kind of find it hard to believe that when God created the animals out of the earth and he formed them the way he wanted them, the shape, the way they looked, and the way they acted, their characteristics, all of that. He created every living thing. I don't believe that a God who sees, is, and knows all doesn't know what he's creating. I don't believe that. And then he goes on to say, artists do that all the time. Like, what's coming out of me? And I'm an artist. I paint. I'm a painter. So, yes, sometimes I get surprised of how good I am at painting something. Because I will take a step back and get more perspective of what I am looking at. But the thing is, is that I only paint. I'm only a painter. I, I am only as creative as God has given me. So, um, God gave me that gift and I'm not going to be a person that, I don't know. I am a painter. I am not a creator. That's what I'm trying to say. A painting has to have a painter, right? A create creation has to have a creator. Okay. Painter and creator in comparison are two different things to me. Artist and creator are two different things to me. Uh, biblically anyways. Um, uh, I always say like beauty is in the eye of the creator. So, um, when God sees and makes something, he sees it as beautiful, which means any other opinion, any other, um, anybody who has anything to say about God's creations or how they were made is nothing compared to what God thinks of his creations. So when he says artists do that all the time, yeah, yeah, we do. We get surprised about, like, sometimes we don't think that we're very good at what we do until we step, step back and say, oh my God, that came from me. That's completely true. But don't be comparing a human being artist to God himself. Because God sees all beauty, knows all beauty, and is all beauty. So therefore, everything he creates, he sees as good and knows. He already knew what they were. But he's basically saying that God isn't God. But the truth is, is that God gave Adam the opportunity to give the animals an identity. Just like when we, when women have a child out of the womb, we're able to name our child because every name has a meaning. You name your child. That name has a meaning. You give that child. That's the first instance of giving a living thing an identity. You, as a mother, did not create the child. I believe that God did it because he says, I have knitted you in your mother's womb. The mother is the one that is... Uh, how do I say this? Children are a gift, for one. So... God gave women a gift to birth children, all right? And ever since, that child has been knitted in his mother's womb, okay? She gave birth to a gift. Being a mother is a gift. That's the, that's the only scenario that I can think of, of where God is able to create within us something beautiful. Like everything that we are capable of, all of our gifts, talents, and abilities were a gift from God. Even children, even having children was a gift that God gave us and trusted with us. 
Anyway, he goes on and claims that God only made a sculpture of an animal and Adam had the power to speak it into existence and gave it a soul. No. Man does not have the power to do that because man is not God. The creatures were already living. They were not just sculptures that God brought to Adam for him to name. And then all of a sudden, oh, look at that. He brought life to a horse, a giraffe, a wildebeest. Genesis chapter 219, out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. So Jesse's argument in this sermon is that he, God did not specifically say, oh, he didn't fly the animals or walk the animals to Adam. He brought them. You're really reaching, bro. You really are reaching. <laughs> reaching so far up somewhere where the sun don't shine in order to, to discredit the creator. Like, uh, I don't know how you are still preaching after all the blasphemous things that you have started to say, like everything that you have said, I don't believe anymore, Jesse. Nothing of your ministry, of your sermons, ever makes sense anymore. <clears throat> yeah, he says he didn't walk them, he didn't fly them, he brought them. God did not bring the animals as an offering to Adam. God did this so that he could have the authority over the animals. All right. My opinion, I think God takes joy in creating things with his creations. Because he loves us that much. What other God do you know of where he could sit with us and actually create things with his own creations? That you can actually have a part and what God is doing. That's beautiful to me. Does that make me a God? Heck no. I don't want to be a God. All right? I'm sorry. I am not a God. I'm not a little G God. Because guess what? I'd make a terrible God or Goddess or whatever. I'm not going to call myself that. But Jesse surely does call himself that. But we're going to keep going. Let's see. Where was I? That's why we all have passions deep down in our souls. God put that there so you could take joy in the same passion that he gave you that was originally in him. Yes, God is in us. That does not make you a God. That does not give you the same abilities as God himself. That gives you a part of God which makes you a part of his kingdom. What more would you want? What more do you want than that? That's humbling to me. To the point where God loves me so much that he gives me the same passions and the same love and the same drive as he does in heaven? That's beautiful. What more could I ever want? What more could I ever ask from him? What more do I really need? What more do I really need? I have a part of God walking inside of me. I understand that if I have Jesus in my heart, I have a piece of God in my heart. Yes, but guess what? I'm not a God. And that's, I don't mind that I'm not a God. I don't mind that because I am a child of God. I am a child of God that calls my God Father. I call my God Father. I am a daughter of the Most High King. There is nothing else that I want more. There is nothing else that I want more than that. That's all I could ever ask for. 
That is all I could ever want. That is all I could ever want is to be looked at by God himself, knowing (coughs) that I had the same passions, the same love, and the same drive that God has in order to reach people. That's all I want. I don't, I don't need to be just like God. I don't need to be an equal to God. I don't need to be a God myself in order to know that I am worthy enough to have a peace of God walking around inside of my soul. I don't need anything else to hype myself up in the morning whenever I wake up. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. That is enough for me. That is beautiful. So I don't understand when prosperity preachers like Jesse Duplantis has to somehow make man just as equal as God when man is the one that sinned first. We are imperfect beings. We will never measure up to the authority of Christ. We will never measure up to who God is. And that is fine with me. I will serve Christ till the very end. Because I know I am a good and faithful servant. And that is enough for me. Because he loved me enough You're saying that God created me. He created you and he loved you enough to give you the same gifts that he has created and put inside of you. The same passions, the same desires, the same love. I'm awestruck. I don't need anything else. That doesn't make us gods. That makes us his children who are trusted enough with his gifts. With his gifts. Can you can you imagine? Just imagine Jesus. Just just imagine just, just imagine God. Just imagine God creating you and knitting, you know, you in his in, in your mother's womb. And he places a gem so precious that no one can copy, imitate, or destroy it. And he places it in the center of you. He places that gift inside of you. And it's worth so much more than anything. Any pink panty wax. <laughs> I can't freaking talk. I'm so passionate right now. God gave you passion from heaven. God gave you a gift from heaven the minute you came out of your mother's womb. That no man on earth, including Jesse Duplantis, can take away. This is why I don't listen to pastors. I'd rather listen to Christ. Anyway, Jesse Duplantis likes to dumb down the power of God and hype himself up to make him look like a God himself. And this is his exact words, okay? He says, and whosoever Adam called every living thing. That's not what it says, okay? And I know I probably wrote it down. If I don't, I'm going to have to go in and read the Bible, but... Anyway, Jesse, you have no authority to know if God brought the animals, living or unliving, to Adam. This is just your desperate attempt to show your congregation that you are a God yourself. That is what you are truly preaching. You're just trying to get more and more and more money from your congregation. It says, Adam called every living thing, comma, which to me sounds like they were already alive when they got to Adam in the first place. To be named. 
Adam didn't bring life. He brought identity to the animals. If God did create the animals just like he created Adam, then God already breathed life into them. And then Adam named them. And then he named Adam. Because he created the animals first. Adam was the last creation. Um, let's see, it actually says in whatever the man called each living thing or each living creature is from the Bible that I have that was its name and whatsoever Adam called every living thing that's what Jesse Duplantis said word for word but it actually says and whatever the man called each living creature that was its name they were already alive when they got to Adam. They were already living, Jesse. When God took them to Adam. So I, I don't know what Bible you're preaching from. I think he's got his own version of the Bible. Like, oh, oh, this is going to be the next, the next sermon. And then I'm going to ask my, my, my congregation for the Enterprise, the Starship Enterprise next. Which is something that he actually said. I'm going to have to put a link down in the description below for that one. That was funny. Man does not have the same power as God. We cannot do exactly what God does for a reason. Okay? To me, I believe... Because because I could... I could, See, I know all of the stories in the Bible. I can't exactly quote everything from the Bible chapter and verse but I know the stories in the Bible there was a man called Nimrod who built a tower to try to equalize himself as a god and he shot an arrow into the sky as a defiance towards God himself and God smited him and everybody who followed him or everybody in his village were talking in a different language than him, so nobody understood him. Anyway, now he ends up saying that God brought all the animals two by two, and he says, no, only unclean ones were in pairs. The clean animals came in sevens. I'm like, okay, never heard of that one. I don't know where that is in the Bible. Where did he get that from? Anyway, he says, I have never... Okay, this comes from another video before I go on a spew on this one. But... Um, I don't really know the context of why he was talking about whatever he was talking about. I just know I picked up on what he said. That way I could have a, an opinion of what he was saying. But I want to say they were probably at a charity event because they were... Uh, Jesse Duplantis was with Kenneth Copeland and another pastor. And there were a few people in the background. So it was probably a charity event somewhere. And um, he says, I have never had a financial deficit, not one time. He goes on telling a story about how John Hagee asked, what's the biggest donation you have ever gotten? And he says, trust. Yeah, trust funds. You, you win the trust of your congregation and they give you all their money. And what the, what the heck do they have to eat later on? You asked your congregation for a $54 million jet. What the heck is wrong with you, bro? If you don't have trust, you don't have nothing. I know by, I know not by faith. Okay, so... Let me, let me, let me stop. He says, if you don't have trust, you don't have nothing. Yeah, that, that's how the prosperity gospel gets you. Because it's what you want to hear. Because if it's what you want to hear, you're going to give your trust to that pastor. And it's going to make you, going to, it's going to make you want to give money more willingly. Okay. That's called manipulation, but we're going to talk about that later too. 
Anyway, <laughs> the next few things that he says is kind of weird, alright? And it makes me think that there's a whole lot more going on with Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland than that we realize. That we realize because don't know why this man talked about, uh, you know, Kenneth Copeland like that right in front of his face, but, you know, we're gonna, we gonna keep going. Anyway, let's see. <coughs> Excuse me. If you don't have trust, okay, let's see. I know not by faith, his salary, I am on the board of directors. So he basically confessed that him and Kenneth Copeland give money to each other. They exchange money so that, you know, they're tax exempt. But he's on the board of, like, Kenneth Copeland's, like, board of directors. So uh, he's got a chunk of change from Kenneth's ministry as well. Um, so that's fun. Stupid. Anyway. He's on Copeland's board of directors. Yes, they pay each other exchanging money because they're tax exempt. See, this is why I believe churches shouldn't be tax exempt. Because of conceited pastors like this. Con conceited charlatans like this that want to drain money out of the people. And they're not sorry for it. They don't care. They blatantly make fun of their congregation. They make fun of people who try to, you know, expose them. They, they blatantly brag about this all of the time. And people are so blind to it that they open up their wallets and the pastors just go ahead and take it without a thank you. Anyway, he goes on to say that Copeland is pure in every way. Spiritually, financially, and sexually. Hey, hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Bro, how do you know? <laughs> How do you know? How do you know? He's pure sexually unless you've actually seen it firsthand. Huh? Listen, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, but listen. Men don't talk about men like that unless they're, uh, you know, you know promiscuous maybe maybe you guys wife swap sometimes I don't know I'm not accusing anybody of anything I'm just thinking of the possibilities why on earth would you talk about his sex life on TV that ain't nobody's business that ain't nobody's business but Kenneth Copeland's I don't want to know what he's sexually capable of. I don't want to know what you're sexually capable of, dude. Why did you have to put that in there like it was something smart to say? That tells me you and Kenneth Copeland probably get it on after every sermon. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I am just talking about the possibility. I'm not actually accusing them of being, you know, heh. You know, but you know, why would he say something like that? It's odd. It's very odd. I am just basically pointing out that was very odd. <laughs> why or how do you know where Kenneth is sexually? Why do you even want to know that? Ugh. You know what? I can actually picture like Jesse Duplantis, Kenneth Copeland, John Hagee, Benny Hinn, uh, David, Dave Willis, and uh, what's another one? What's another one? Can't be Paula White. Can't be Joyce Meyer. It's got to be another dude. Hang <laughs> on. Robert Tilton? <laughs> I don't know. Is he, is he alive? <laughs> but I could just see them all in a locker room just talking locker room talk. Not even in a locker room. Just like in that back room where the pastor sits before the sermon starts and they're just talking smack about their wives and how they are in the bed like 
they really think that they're all that. They're hyping each other up like, oh, bro, you should have seen what happened to my wife back in, like yesterday, last night. I really laid it into her. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not... I can see that, though. I can see that more than, like, uh, Jesse and Copeland doing something that they're not supposed to. I can see that more than, than, than that that I kind of insinuated. Like, okay, bro. But anyway, the reason why Jesus hadn't come is because people ain't given the way they're supposed to give. That those are his very words in the same video. And I'm like, oh yeah, because Jesus suddenly needs your funds to afford coming down here. I didn't know that the second coming was that expensive, sir. I didn't know that we had the power to speed up the time when Jesus comes back. God doesn't obey us, we obey God. And no amount of paper bills can sway him to send Jesus down sooner to collect. He doesn't work that way. And neither should you. Jesse's last jet was four or $54 million. He claims that he never owned any four jets at one time. But sir, why did you ask for one in the first place? So, I've talked about this. Um, on tele on uh, one of my televangelism like episodes, I think it was like the second season because we're just starting the third season, and uh, I got so mad at all these preachers, and Jesse Duplantis was one of them, and since he's really good friends with Kenneth Copeland, uh, eh, yikes! I can I'm gonna talk a little bit about that because. Um, him and Kenneth Copeland were on the Believer's Voice of Victory at one time, and they talk about, they're making excuses on why they need these these private jets, and he basically says that they can't communicate with God in a proper way if they're, like, sitting coach or even first class in a, in a regular plane. And my explanation on why they shouldn't have those jets is because for one they're they're really expensive you're draining your you know congregation dry that's a given that's obvious but he goes on to say that you know there are demons attached to people which is true it's true but he basically says just get in a long tube with a bunch of demons and that's deadly and Jesse Duplantis really eating it out of, uh, you know, Kenneth's hand. Oh, I get that. I get that. So saying both of you is that you're not humble enough to sit down next to somebody that probably needs to hear your word. That's what I get from it. What if somebody on that plane was suicidal and they saw you and they started talking to you? Is it really that bad? For you to take time out of your day to talk to someone, have a good conversation with someone who actually needs it, pastors don't listen. Pastors like this do not listen. They will never listen to people. They will never listen. They don't. And one of the main things that I believe anybody anyone whether you're a famous preacher a celebrity or even somebody who works in the mental health field or just a regular person walking down the street listen to people no one listens to each other anymore no one listens to each other anymore and I feel and I believe wholeheartedly that as much as a pastor preaches and speaks they should also listen because you can learn a lot from somebody from listening to somebody's story you can learn a lot from hearing somebody go through their experiences every walk of life is different so you're basically starving yourself 
of an experience. Because honestly, I will never compare myself to to Kenneth Copeland, but it's your fault that you're that famous for one. I don't think God wanted us to be that famous to the point where we get annoyed by other people who are ordinary. I don't think God wanted us to be famous. I don't think God even wanted us to to, to be like that. Because with fame comes arrogance, ignorance, and stupidity. Alright? That's just what I believe. So when you're popular, it's your fault, for one, that you had enough money to make yourself that well-known. And now, since the people have given you that much money, you're not going to give back by listening to somebody and coach. You just want to, you just want to say, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. I don't care. If I was ever a preacher, and I know that I would never be a popular preacher, and I'm fine with that. But if I was ever a preacher, I would love to fly coach. And I would love to hear somebody's story. I would love that. Because people need people. And people need to listen, especially pastors, with that much money and that much fame. Because you're not human if you're sitting on a pile of money like that. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You never hear Jesse Duplantis talk about that. It's more likely for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the gates of heaven. I know that's a rough translation of the scripture. Sorry about that. The rich young ruler... Okay? Jesus said, sell everything you own and come follow me. The rich young ruler did not do it. All of these are examples of why money should not rule our lives. Because it makes us soulless and it makes us evil and it makes us greedy. There's a reason why greed is a deadly sin. There's a reason why greed is a very deadly sin okay it's deadly deadlier than the long tube with a bunch of demons that you're afraid to be sitting around if you have enough authority if you're hyping yourself up enough to say that you are just like God that you are God yourself why are you afraid to sit next to somebody and coach. That makes no sense to me. Oh, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. I mean, a man who is godly, wholeheartedly, will run into that tube with a bunch of demons and cast every single one of them out because he knows that God is in him. Because he knows. He knows. Humility is what these charlatans lack. Anyway. I lost my place. Don't tell me you don't have all four jets because you're with Copeland who has his own airport. I don't want to get started with Copeland. Okay. Because this man has what six seven jets that his congregation paid for and he has his own airport yeah yeah oh yeah avoiding demonic principalities and powers as much as you can right thought we had authority over that <laughs> oh he yeah that just tells me that that men like this who have that much money that go out of their way to avoid people are scared of God's power. They hide behind their wealth. A man who says that Jesus wouldn't... Oh, I'm sorry. Before I start talking about that, 
There is something that Too Strong did not talk about, and it's something that I found by myself, because um, one of my one of the things that I love to do is watch toxic preachers on YouTube, and the reason why I do that is because I guess I'm a truth seeker. I just love hearing pastors make fool of themselves i i don't know why that that's a thing with me i don't know why i think that's funny but um god forgive me if that's wrong <laughs> but um here comes good old jesse boy okay asking for this 54 million dollar jet all right makes a whole commercial or a whole advert about it and the first thing he says is oh jesus wouldn't be riding on a donkey he'd be riding in a 54 million dollar jet <laughs> do you really know god do you really know jesus do you really know who jesus is listen a man who says that jesus wouldn't be riding on a donkey and in this modern time he would be in a private jet i find it so hard to believe that the savior that, went, that walked everywhere and healed the sick wherever he went would want to be in a jet, okay? Jesus was the picture of humility. I think he would be on a donkey, in my opinion, because just like his father, he has a sense of humor, and I love God. I love that God has a sense of humor to do things unexpectedly. I believe that Jesus probably would come down just to visit us on a donkey. Why not? That'd be hilarious. That'd be, be... Listen, in my opinion, if I saw Jesus, like, come riding on a donkey towards me, it, I would love to see that. Because for Jesus to do that would give me joy, for one. And to see it would reinforce my faith that the God that I serve is still a very human are not a very human, but a very humble person. Like, I love that. I love that. I think that Jesus would be, you know, sitting on a donkey in the middle of the highway if he really wanted to. Because why not? That's Jesus. I think he's funny. Jesus has a sense of humor. Okay? We have to realize that. God has a sense of humor. And he does things that outrageous okay just like when um elisha in the old testament um was told to tell this leper to dip himself seven times in the lake in order to be free of his leprosy uh, that's god showing humor for one I, it's just God's sense of humor. I, I just love that. God could have just automatically healed him through Elijah. But God used his humor in order for the man with leprosy to act on faith. Like, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's, that's just me. That That's how I believe that God works. I, I love that. I love that because, yeah, of course. Just because Jesse Duplantis said it, just because Jesse Duplantis said he's going to be riding in a $54 million jet with me. No, no, bro. He's going to be riding down the street in a donkey. On a donkey, bro. Because you said something so arrogant. He's going to do the exact opposite. I love God and his sense of humor. But let's go on. He brags about his wife being at the mall for 12 hours in a sermon. Why? Why do you need to talk about that? You can't judge me on how much I make. Okay. No, but we can judge you by your fruit and years, Jesse. I'm sorry. I said I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> he says you can't judge me by how much I, how much money I have. And I'm gonna use that quote towards the end too. So. Um, but no, we can judge you by your fruits. And Jesse, your fruit is dirty, dirty greed. He preaches 
And all he does is brag. He talks about how he receives, but never talks about how much he gives. You don't have enough time for me to tell you who I am because I would have to start at page one. God created the heavens and the earth. So you're saying that you're God, sir? If you are, you're a terrible God sitting there on a pile of money like it's the holy throne. God said, let's make Jesse. You were not in existence. Sure, he may have thought of you, but he ain't, he, he ain't putting you on earth yet. Shut up. I got people throwing money over the fence at my house. Why do you feel the need to talk about that? Why do you feel the need to brag about that, dude? Okay, if this is true, that sounds very sketchy. People only do that if they need something illegal done or given. Okay? He goes on to say that a man at Christmas came and threw 5K over his fence as a gift for Christmas. And he gets on the ground to pick up the money. He's like, oh, oh, don't let the, the rapture happen yet. You know, let me get this money and put it in my pocket. And Too Strong made a good point um, in, in this moment of their video. And he's, they compared him to somebody in the Bible. He, they compared this instant to Judas who exchanged Christ for money to the Pharisees. And that is something I, didn't, I had never actually put two and two together. So uh, thank you Too Strong for putting that to light because that, that is brilliant. He continues by saying, How many of you want to know what God looks like? He gestures to himself, saying, He is made in his image. Okay, true. But you continue to keep hyping yourself up as a God. You have already said it. Angels know who I am, he says. Okay, now this is something that I believe. I don't know if this is necessarily in the Bible, but one day I was thinking, you know, we have these beautiful stories in the Bible that, you know, of these angels and of these uh, men and women of God that have served God to the death. Like, we have these beautiful stories. And I was like, okay, what are the angels in heaven reading? And this is just a beautiful idea, and this is, this is, I have a point, okay? This is just something that I was thinking of when I was in the presence of God. I was like, what are the angels reading? Because if they know the Bible, I'm sure they read the Bible. I don't know if they do or not. But what are the angels reading? I said, I believe that the angels read stories about us in heaven. I don't know if that's in the Bible, but I love the idea when they read about Jesse, I wonder what they're thinking. <laughs> now, I was going to make a joke, but I don't know if it's blasphemous or not. I was going to make a joke that the angels reading Jesse's life is like National Enquirer. <laughs> so God, forgive me if that's wrong. Forgive me if that's wrong. Because everything he says is just trash. And he's trying to make the Bible trash. He's trying to make the Bible in his image, in his own trans like translation. Anyway. Devils recognize who I am. Yeah, I know. And they're thanking you for your service, bro. Because you are not doing God's work by any means. Devil, devil, wow, devils do not cover, I cannot talk now, devils do not cower to man, devils manipulate man every single day, it doesn't necessarily have to be through possession, it can be through manipulation, generational curses, the list goes on, they are not afraid of you as a man, 
but they are scared of the God in you. They are scared of the authority that God has given you to cast them out. We have the power to cast out demons and heal the sick in his name, not yours, Jesse. Listen, we need a break, because I'm done. I'm done. Anyway, Too Strong dug really deep this time. And they found a lawsuit against Jesse Duplantis. So we're going to talk about that now. Jesse had a federal lawsuit against him, a married woman who worked for him and dealt with his financial in, in the financial department of his ministry. Um, her and her husband were very involved with the ministry. Jesse invites her, or I'm sorry, Jesse writes her a letter telling her how much he appreciates her and how kindly people talk about her. Uh, she gets pregnant by her husband and told Jesse about it, and he what? And he wondered if she was still able to work. And she clarified that she is able to work while pregnant part time. And so did the husband. Husband agreed to you know work part time as well. And then needs time off when the baby comes. Jesse didn't like that idea and ended up firing her. All because she had a baby. All because she was pregnant. <clears throat> All because he wasn't going to make enough money off of her. Anyway, she was taken care of um, when she was, she was like making $80,000 a year. Plus perks that the ministry gave her, such as dental, life, and vision insurance, along with a work phone, credit card for the ministry, and a car that was, you know, a company car. So, I mean, this is obvious, but we all know that babies are expensive. So I can only imagine the security she would have if he didn't fire her. She wouldn't have needed or lacked anything, but instead Jesse kicked her to the curb. The ministry accused her of buying a bracelet on the ministry card that was meant for marketing purposes. Um, we don't actually know if that's true or not. If she did that, um, I don't think they showed the receipts in the court, but... Um, they accused her of just buying a bracelet and another thing, I guess, on the company card. And um, they fired her for that. That was their dumb excuse in order to fire her because they weren't going to make enough money off of her. But the ministry, uh, he once, or once he fired her, he had security take her out of the building, took her car keys, packed her things without her supervision or knowledge, so therefore they could have stolen something. Um, and now I have seen how his security escorts people out of the building or out of his sight. They are brutal and they are not gentle. It's not gentle and they will forcefully escort them out. He berated her in front of his supporters and left her outside the building with no phone or means of transportation. She did, she did get a lawyer and had a lawsuit against him. At the same, or at the, and at some point, the lawsuit vanished, which only happens when the two parties settle on something. So he went on to lie about her and demean her name, basically just dragging her name through the mud, basically tells his staff, comparing her to employees in the past who 
were fired for pedophilia, infidelity, and pornographic images of children. All because she asked for time off and all because she was pregnant. She's going to, he's going to shamefully compare her to another employee that did something much, much worse than she ever did. So she goes on to say that she was a victim of sex discrimination. Um, and Jesse and the employee came to an agreement and paid her off not to go full disclosure because as I said, she was in, she had access to his financial records. Um, she was part of the financial department. So she probably knew a lot. She most likely knew everything. So she was accused of buying a bracelet that was too expensive, but you steal $54 million from your congregation. So if she sued you, you wouldn't lose anything, to be honest. <clears throat> she was dismissed shamefully the same way someone was dismissed for child porn, pedophilia, and infidelity. Um, the way that they treated her so falsely makes me think that they might have. They might have. I'm not sure this could be true. But the way they treated her, they probably treated the previous person. And they probably didn't have that possession of child porn or whatever. Who knows? I'm not defending it. I'm just saying the way they treated her is probably a repeated thing in the workplace. Anyway. She was pregnant. That's it. I guess she wasn't making enough for the money. Like, she wasn't making enough for Jesse and his bank account. So... Too much would have come out of court if she followed through, which means, to me, the reason why they settled was because he had something to hide. Snakes in the grass always love to hide before they bite, don't they? She filed a deposition, and she dove deep into his finances, and he doesn't give anything back. He does not give anything back. So, sounds a lot like manipulation to me since he only gives to people who help him out and when you're not useful anymore, he throws you out. Sounds a lot like a form of witchcraft called manipulation. And uh, let me just clarify, witchcraft is not just spells and Ouija boards and tarot cards and all that mumbo jumbo, okay? It's not just that. It's also manipulation, disobedience, and abuse. Okay. Because there's demons behind that. Therefore, it is witchcraft. But Jesse built a 25-bedroom house for the homeless, and the ho homeless had to pay a fee. The homeless had to pay a fee. It was tax-exempt, and the house cost $3 million to build. So he didn't want to, um, you know, pay in taxes. I think it might have been like 300000 or 30000 in taxes. I don't remember how much they said. But even his charity work works for him. I, what did he say? This isn't the exact quote, but let me go back to that one quote that I talked about. real quick because we're almost done where'd it go you can't judge me by how much money I have okay the thing is is that I used to listen to a lot of his sermons so I'm gonna tell you a story so okay Jesse you went on to tell a story about how you started out as a preacher. How you had no money driving to church in a raggedy old pickup truck. Talking about how um, hungry you were and how the church had no food after the sermon. Alright? After your sermon that you preached. You ask, um, I think it was a gas station attendant, 
making popcorn in the back to give you popcorn kernels from the bottom of the machine so you could have something in your stomach. A stranger sees this, that he was eating popcorn kernels and it was so odd to him. So a stranger sees you and gets mad at that you had to scrounge around in order to get food, that he gives you money and also curses the people, curses out the same people that did not provide for you at the church that you preached at, all right? You later go on to say how God provided for you in that moment with a man who cursed like a sailor. You could have stopped there, Jesse. You really could have, because that was a humble story. But you went on to say that now God is placing millions and millions of dollars in your hands. So you do talk about how much you make. Therefore, we do have the right to judge you on how much you make. I heard that sermon from a tape my parents bought from your ministry. I went up to Michigan with my parents when I was 13 to hear you preach. They gave to your ministry that day. I used to quote you as a child to win classmates to Christ. I thought you were a hilarious pastor, but I was very naive. I would listen to your voice while I was trying to fall asleep because my parents were listening to you on in the other room across the hall. So trust me, I know everything. I know a lot about you, Jesse. I know about your past sermons and what you talked about, and I don't believe every, every single one of them I choose not to believe anymore. We donated not only our money to your ministry when we were there in Michigan, but also we donated our trust to you. I am, so you can only imagine how upset I am to hear that you of all people are a fraud. Thank you very much for listening and I will see you in the trenches next time.